Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes. However, we got full spoilers on for any episode we've discussed in the past. I'm Jason, and I'm also known for not shutting up even after my head has been cut off. (laughs) And I'm Harrison, and I'm currently working on a recipe for tree bark enchiladas. But there's still some work to be done. I don't doubt it. <laughs> uh, Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel, Season 2, Episode 22, the Season 2 finale, BT Dubs. Uh, there's no place like Plurt's Glurb. This is the one... <laughs> such a fun title. This is the one where our adventure in Pylea comes to an end. Uh, Gun and Wes lead some rebels to fight against the priests that are just fucking things over for everybody um cordelia uh very much falls in love with the grusalog oh. uh only to have him go and face angel in mortal combat indeed uh there's no place like plurt's glurb <laughs> was... <laughs> <laughs> uh was written and directed by david greenwald and it originally aired on may 22nd 2001 the most emotional night of television ever. All right. <laughs> All right, hit it. Jason. Harrison. What are we drinking today? Uh, we're going the full James Bond and having some vodka martinis. Yes. Uh, shaken, not stirred. Um... It just makes sense to shake martinis. Like, I I mean, maybe there's like, maybe there's stirred martinis that work, but in all of my experience of having martinis, whether gin or vodka, it just seems easier to shake them. Yeah. There's something very satisfying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, what else are you going to use your cocktail shaker for? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Shall we have a toast? Yeah. Um... Here's to getting through incredibly rough weeks. Um, Last week wasn't great. This week's not great. Next week probably won't be too great either. (laughs) Um, After that, though, I've got some PTO. But, uh, oh, man, this is a rough little gauntlet I'm in the middle of. Yeah, I've been feeling that. uh, I've been sick for the last two days. Um, Don't worry. It's not COVID. It was like a stomach bug. Mm. I spent most of yesterday by the toilet. Um, so that was fun. You feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling much better. Oh, I'm glad. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to getting through it. Going through it and getting through it. I do believe, uh, there's something, uh, there's a quote, uh, relating to that in this episode. Uh, somebody says like, uh, Oh, you made it through. You're alive or something. Uh, you lived through it. Indeed. Uh, but that's not how we start off the episode. We start <laughs> off the episode uh, in the immediate aftermath of Cordelia seeing uh, Lauren's decapitated head. Uh, and, you know, she's so sad because it was her fault. She pardoned him. She's really starting to hate this place. And then Lauren... Lauren's eyes open and says, huh, right there with you, honey. <laughs> and Cordelia just screams. And then we get to open the episode. <laughs> yeah. I felt after we finished recording our, um, uh, through the Looking Glass episode, I was just like, gosh, I hope for like new listeners that are us like really underplaying Lauren's quote unquote death, like didn't like accidentally become a spoiler in and of itself but like yeah. we just gotta breeze past it oh lord's dead okay or lord's got his head cut off bye yeah well i mean we had to prepare ourselves for like the real death that happens in yeah. the ne- in the last episode of buffy yeah. of you know the titular character the titu- it's the titular role <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah um so uh yeah cordelia has a very long screen <laughs> and i just love lord's messages of reassurance like yeah that's right get it out it's okay get out of your system you gotta breathe sometime <laughs> <laughs> apparently she doesn't <laughs> um when she does stop screaming that's when uh, lauren has a little bit of time to explain that 
you know, if the body remains intact, Pyleans can survive being decapitated. Mm -hmm. uh, Silas runs in. And uh, I like the Buffy wiki saying, Silas, pleased to hear that Cordelia is upset. <laughs> <laughs> Tells the cast of the guards to go after the humans and to kill the bloodsucker Angel. Yeah, um, the... Uh, I forget the name of, like, the head guard or whatever, but... Uh, I call him Old Blueface. He's just the captain, played by Lee Rareman. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's ready to kill Angel, because, you know... Nobody, nobody defeats me. I'm Trevor Lockley. <laughs> it's fucking men. I tell uh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Cordelia is trying to figure out how she's going to uh, save Lorne and get his body to get him back to his body before, you know, it's mutilated. Mm -hmm. She needs to find the mutilation chamber. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, but I'm kind of like grouping all Cordy's stuff yeah. together at the moment. But, uh, yeah, serving woman comes in and, uh, she's, she's like, you know, giving all deference to Cordelia and, uh, what? Are you all right? Yeah. I thought I was going to sneeze. It passed. Oh, all right. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought I would like said the wrong word. <laughs> like deference. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a, it was a sneeze that passed. Okay, we'll see if it if it if it unpasses, but but uh, yeah, and so she says, and Cordelia's trying to you know reassure her like, hey, you know we're we're the same. She's like, no, I'm a cow, and you're you're the you're the princess. She's <laughs> like, look, I need you to tell me where the mutilation chamber is, and uh, she and the girl says. Oh no! One is you should not like be defile yourself by going to the mutilation chamber, and Cordelia's like, "All right, take off your clothes," <laughs> which caused Lauren's eyes to just pop open. Whoops! Like we said, y'all, Lauren is almost assuredly pansexual. Oh yes, he'll put it anywhere, <laughs> or let anyone put it there. <laughs> anyway, um, also it's revealed that. Uh, Silas has a handheld device and a not handheld device, like a little um, console device mm -hmm. that uh, both have the same function. The handheld device kind of works for, I'm assuming it just works for people who are in your range of it. Yeah. And uh, the console device works for everybody. But uh, yeah, it's a device that basically allows those collars that we saw two episodes ago to just blow people's heads off mm -hmm. uh go full scanners full scanners <laughs> it's pretty uh for, for well for network television a pretty gnarly head explosion like um if i saw that in a movie i don't think i'd be like oh but like on network tv in the early 2000s it's not, that was more than i expected to yeah see. It, it's honestly I not saw viscera it, yeah it's not too far away from the actual head explosion in scanners. Yeah. Um, Not quite as gooey, but... Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> I still remember the one time I watched that movie. I was watching it with Ben, and we got to, like, that <laughs> scene. And, um, you know, the guy's like, oh, I'm going to read this man's thoughts. And, uh... And he, like, he just has this pained look on his face. And Ben said... Oh, it looks like he's the one who's in pain, and then his head explodes. Like, oh, I guess it was. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, like, head trauma in the movie is in Halloween 3. Um, is that one of the ones that you borrowed? Yes. For me? Okay. So I won't, I won't tell you the details, but there is like... Oh, no. Please don't spoil Season <laughs> of the Witch for me. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think of it, because Season of the Witch has had a bit of a... Um, a, like a bit of a critical renaissance cult. like I think I feel like uh, Alien 3 has had that as well yeah yeah I think enough time has passed um, and enough bad Halloween sequels have been made that people are like okay like removing it from the Michael Myers story you know just put that aside like how is this movie on its own for me I'm like it's okay but there is a scene that is and you'll know exactly what it is when you watch it. That is just so upsetting to me. Um, Something involving snakes. Yes, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, so you know, a little nothing, bit of uh... nothing. Um, 
nothing gives a resurgence to previously maligned things like things that are currently being maligned. <laughs> right? For instance, the Star Wars prequel trilogy. <laughs> People hate the sequel so much that that now they look back on the prequel trilogy like, you know, this wasn't too bad. <laughs> I am like almost just waiting expectedly for people to start saying, you know, the Hobbit movies weren't that bad either. At least they didn't have that PC crap that's in right. that's in Rings of Power. I, for one, want to state, and honestly, I'm not going to lie, it's partially because of Harrison. <laughs> I like the Hobbit movies. Are they the Lord of the Rings movies? No, they're not. But Lord of the Rings movies are pretty much cinematic perfection, in my opinion. Um, and also, what I have seen of the Rings of Power, I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's that. If you're watching the Hobbit movies, watch the extended versions. They are oh, there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. It's not, they're not necessarily extended by too much. Maybe like 10 minutes each. Yeah. And, uh... And yeah, it's more of like a very good recut that makes the movie flow better. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, back to Angel. Um, uh, Wes and Gunn are uh, in the stocks or a pillory. Yes, um, very nice. I- I'm not going to lie. The only reason I know that word is because of a ce- SNL Celebrity Jeopardy sketch. Fair enough. They had to like say what a hammer was and... Um, David Duchovny playing Jeff Goldblum is uh, just says, oh, it's like it's one of those things where, you know, prisoners are kept. Oh, are you referring to a stock to the stocks or a pillory? Uh, But yeah, so, uh, yeah, they're basically about to get their heads cut off because they uh, Wes mentioned that. Oh, yes, we know the princess. Yeah, I was going to say, don't say they. This is all Wes's fault. (laughs) I said they are about to get their heads cut off because of Wes. Yeah, and uh, and you know, Gunn's not happy about this. He and uh, and Wes is like, oh, I don't have I don't have any plans. And and uh, Gunn says, well, I got a plan. We're both gonna die. You're gonna go to hell, and I'm gonna be with baby Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Gunn is Gunn has a bit of Christianity in him, uh, but. He, uh, but yeah, but of course, right as they're about to be decapitated, uh, the rebels are attacked by the palace guards because, you know, convenience. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, while everybody's distracted, um, the two are able to at least get themselves off of the stands, but they're still stuck in their, in their stocks. And they, of course, use those as weapons, <laughs> as one does. Oh, that looks so uncomfortable. Like, I cannot imagine. I mean, I'm sure they weren't as heavy as they looked like in real life. They were probably made of, like, fucking styrofoam, but still. Ugh. I mean, props to J. August Richards and uh, and uh, Alexis Denisoff. <laughs> I almost said Allison Denisoff. <laughs> um, they Not just yet. got all thrown off by, <laughs> by that, um, by the end of the episode. Uh, but yeah, they, they definitely made those things look mm-hmm. a lot more cumbersome than they probably were. So, yeah. and that, you know, that's, that's an important piece of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, a lot of those heavy props are probably just like big old styrofoam things. And you have to think like, uh, going all the way back to William Shatner throwing rocks at the Gorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was, uh, a teenager, I was at Walmart with my family and, there was these like little wicker pumpkin decoration things. It was fall. And I picked one up and I pretended it was really, really heavy. And I was like, hold on. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. My, my little brother was like, he's probably seven or eight. He was like, here, let me try. Let me try. And I'm like, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. It's really heavy. Oh my gosh. He was like, let me try. Let me try. Let me try. So I sat it in his hands and he hit himself in the face with it because he was like, that was a like classic. <laughs> Classic sibling prank. So preparing himself for it to be really heavy. <laughs> so, uh... Well, no, no, that, no, that's good. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, Gunn and Wesley, uh, a lot of the rebels do die, but they're able to fight off the palace guards. And uh, Gunn and Wesley decide to go back and um, after they've been released... And say, hey, like, we're not your enemies, and we need to be able to, like, we can save the princess, and, 
and you know take down the priests like take down silas and all the yeah. other priests and you know bring it into this craziness yeah uh, our goals align let's work together yeah. and when you know wesley explains some strategy to them they say oh you're our new general <laughs> huzzah <laughs> and he's like why do i keep getting put in charge of things and guns like yeah fucking tell me about it <laughs> this is one thing that It bugs me a bit, not too much to like let it ruin the episode for me, but I can get this is part of Wesley's character development. But Gunn actually has experience like leading a large group of fighters. Um, so, you know, Wesley does come up with the plan and um, I just wish there maybe had been a little bit, a few more scenes or not even scenes, but just like lines of dialogue of him and Gunn working together. We get it gets touched upon when Wesley's kind of questioning some of his some of his judgments. Um, but I was a little frustrated that I was like, Gunn has this expertise. Like, why aren't we using it? Both from a writing perspective and just for the character himself. Yeah, and Wes does take immediate charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, about how interesting of a character arc it takes. Yes. Um, uh, Angel wakes up in uh, the cave. He's, like, you know, back in his human-looking form. And, uh, you know, Fred is is there. She's making him uh, some oatmeal. Kind of. That's, like, you know, just kind of a paste. But if if you add enough berries, (laughs) it, it tastes okay. Um, yeah, and Angel's trying to figure out a way for them to get home, and uh, he sees the writing that uh, Fred has put on the cave walls. He recognizes them as the words that they use to open up the portals. Mm-hmm. And so that's when Angel is like, oh, you know, she's probably she's probably been the one who's been opening up these portals that allow... The Draken and um, Landok to get through. I I love yes. This is his theory that because she thinks it just didn't work. But he's Mm -hmm. like, actually, you probably have been opening portals. You just don't know where, which is confirmed later. But (laughs) I just love the idea that like I don't know. There's someone whose job it is is to investigate why these portals keep opening randomly and like. And it's just, just this random little <laughs> runaway slave in a fucking cave, right? And like, I love the idea that Fred's just accidentally causing like chaos throughout. <laughs> you do that, Fred. Fight the power. That's right. In whatever way you can. Um, the castle guards, including the captain, do show up, and um, and uh, you know, Angel fights off most of the guards, but uh, the captain's coming after him. And he, uh, and Angel's, like, kind of at the point of switching back to his full vampire form. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to because, you know, scared the crap out of him. And he also knew that it put his friends in danger. Um, And, uh, you know, maybe Fred doesn't have the bag of blood handy at the moment. (laughs) And the writers need to save the money for the effects for later in the episode. (laughs) Yeah. um, And uh, the... And, you know, right as, uh, also, it's really funny because the guard captain was instructed by Silas to, like, all the ways that, uh, Angel could be killed. And, uh, he says, uh, oh, I'll stab him right in the rump, right through his heart. And okay, then, agenda! <laughs> with a big old piece of wood, with Butt a wooden stuff. spear. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Silas explains, no, no, it's in their chest. And the guard captain's like disgusting <laughs> um so he is trying to stab angel through the heart and you know misses, misses a couple times dipshit in, in, enough time he doesn't know the anatomy of humans because he's he's stupid, Very stupid. <laughs> he's a dumb boy <laughs> uh but uh he's able to fail enough that uh fred is able to bust his head open with a well, maybe not bust his head open, but knock him out with a uh, with a big old rock. Yeah, probably also made a star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, and uh, 
and Angel is, uh, and Angel's trying to, um, and Fred's like, oh, are you all right? And, uh, she's, like, taking care of his wounds. Um, it's not a... I wouldn't say it's a it's a full on like scene that you would want. No, I didn't. I did not find myself getting horny, um, which is a shame. But I do like how uh, this builds up the camaraderie yeah. uh, between the two of them, and uh, it definitely sets up her being mild spoiler. She's going to be a main character in the mm-hmm. series from here on out. So um, it's it's nice that she is able to build that trust with at least Angel. Yeah. And um, that like, allows her to be... Uh, it makes sense for her to be a part of the team in Season 3. Yeah. Um, um, this whole scene is just really, really good. Um, because he's basically like, I have to go, you know, save my friend. And she's like, no, <laughs> you should stay here where it's safe with me. Um, and... You know, we we get a more more insight into where she is emotionally and mentally. She talks about all the things she misses back at home, specifically tacos and beds. I mean, um, can you imagine a world without tacos? I, I I didn't. I don't have to imagine it. I just saw it, Jason. And, and see, it was bad. And see, the thing is, when I eat Mexican food, I typically go for like the burrito. Mm-hmm. Like I'm burri- a nacho guy myself. Okay, burritos are like probably my favorite food, mm-hmm. but I very much see that that is an that is an offshoot of tacos. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know the entire history of Mexican food, but uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, I f- I feel that it's probably logical to assume that uh, tacos came before burritos. Yeah, I could do that. It's like, you know, we need to be able to, like, hold all of our stuff in something before we wrap it around something. It's the natural progression. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, tortillas. Tacos are your Charmander, burritos (laughs) are your Charmeleon, and chimichangas are your Charizard. Gotcha. That was a lot of CH words right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm proud of you for getting through it. Hey, man. That's why I'm here. (laughs) To make all these Pokemon food related. comparisons but uh but yeah no like i imagine a world without mexican food no (laughs) i refuse yeah i won't even entertain the idea even our dumbass former president like who's said the worst things about mexican people he still eat taco salads which i mean you know is probably a uh a white person invention yeah But, uh, (laughs) but hey mexican inspired so he's he's a piece of shit anyway so who cares <laughs> um weird tangent yeah <laughs> um hey when tacos are involved fred misses tacos <laughs> yeah an angel um an angel constantly and like you know fred remarks on how fast he heals uh and angel says that oh it's benefit of being a beast and he has been referring to himself as a beast mm-hmm. and uh fred says but you're not a beast and uh, Wes has something pretty good later that we'll get to. Uh, but Angel says that um, he's got to... Uh, and, you know, like the guard captain's just like, Oh, yeah, you're a beast. <laughs> and um, he frees himself, tries to kill Fred. And uh, does, like, nicker a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, then Angel, like, grabs a knife and kills him. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> One less douchebag in Pylea. Right. Um, but we still got a few more to deal with, but, uh, Angel does, um, like, you know, he helps Fred after, uh, she's helped him heal and, uh, you know, she's okay. And, uh, he does say that he needs to go and help his friends. And, uh, she says like, no, you have to stay here where it's safe. He's like, no, I have to do what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And he leaves and uh, leaves just Fred's kind of sitting there in the cave. And then he comes back and's like, I don't know how to get there. And she's like, oh, I'll come. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I do love how this. Yeah, I do love how the, this episode is able to work in those moments of levity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the uh, we go to the mutilation chamber. And uh, they see bits of, uh, bits of a body with Lauren's suit on it. Lauren is absolutely uh, 
distraught mm-hmm. but things like wait a minute but how am i still alive and when did i have and since when do i have five toes <laughs> so apparently there is like another five-toed green person there's a five-toed green person somewhere in pilea and you know their body was just waiting to be mutilated <laughs> um and you know the grusalog comes into the mutilation chamber and says oh i i uh i did a horrible thing uh, but I saved uh, your friend's body Yay. from mutilation and put his strange garments on this. <laughs> and uh, and Cordelia is so happy. She keeps hugging him. And as a consequence, like, uh, knocks Lauren's head against, the against like, posts. But also against the, the Grusalog's butt, which yeah. he's okay with. So Lauren's head goes through so much abuse. Cordy spits on him. Yeah, she she's constantly like dropping him and like hitting him and bumping him into things. When the Grusalug comes in, before they realize that it's the Grusalug, she's like, "Can I hit him on the head with your head?" Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you may not. Yeah, this um, this bit, it. it it's very much kind of like an old school gag. Oh yeah. Um, you, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just like, oh boy. <laughs> but it it is charming. Yeah. And uh, the Grusalog does say that he uh, put he took Lauren's body to the Deathwalk Clan, and uh, and so um, now she, and so now they're like, oh well, we'll be able to, uh, we'll get Lauren's head to. Uh, his family. Uh, yeah, and the Grusalog says that... Um, the Grusalog explains more of the prophecy and says that once they mate, uh, once he and Cordelia mate, then he will receive the visions from her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen Cordelia go through some shit with these visions, like especially at the end of season one. Yeah. And she has remarked how the visions have been getting progressively worse Mm -hmm. and more painful but cordelia is horrified at the idea of losing these visions yeah and you know i feel like this is the i feel like this is when we come full circle with cordelia's character arc Mm -hmm. she's obviously got a bit more stuff to go through in the series but this is like the big thing that it's been building to since she appeared on angel yeah and um yeah she this is a world where you know, if they're successful in defeating Silas, then um, it could be a place where she would be worshipped as a queen. She would have, uh, she would have like a smoking hot husband, mm-hmm. and um, she wouldn't have to deal with the visions anymore. And all she has to do is bang her smoking hot husband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so basically, it's it's very much how Angel felt when he first came to Pylea. It's like. Yeah. Oh, I can be in the sun. I'm worshipped as a hero. And it's it's kind of this reminder of... Um, it, it, it's like this fruit, this forbidden fruit, mm-hmm. this f- forbidden fruit of absolute happiness. And that's kind of the thing about our characters in Angel. They aren't necessarily going to get absolute happiness. They have to... They realize that they have responsibilities. Yeah. Especially Cordelia. And I think one of the best things about this episode is Cordelia, you know, without hesitation, saying that, like, no, I have to use these powers to, I have to use these visions to help people. Yeah. And, you know, as much as, much as I love this glorious, glamorous <laughs> lifestyle, I gotta leave it behind. Yeah. This really does feel like the completion of, not her arc, but this chapter of her arc, which makes sense because it is the season finale, mm-hmm. um, that she started in last season's finale. You know, we ended last season with, you know, she's getting all the visions. Uh, she felt all that pain, all that suffering, and she was like, we have to help people. And we've... That was, you know, her beginning to embrace that. Um when she didn't have a choice. So it's great here, like you said, she's essentially offered up on a silver platter like an an amazing ideal life free of the visions. And this is the moment she says she she makes the same choice she made in the season or she comes to the same place she came into the season one 
finale, but this time with the choice to be able to give it all up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she says, no, I can't do that. Yay. Yeah. Character um, growth. Character growth. Imagine Cordy season one doing that. <laughs> or season one of, of Buffy. No, yeah, she... I mean, it's... I think it's safe to say, even without spoilers, uh, that um, Cordelia has probably the most impressive character arc across the Buffy universe. Yeah. Um, Maybe a close second is Willow. Um, I'd also put Buffy up there as well, but like... uh, Yeah. I feel like the... um, for Buffy and Angel, it's a little, like, unfair because, you know, they're the leads and they need to be, like, you know, they have to have the character arc. Yeah. But I, and that's why I always, like, when watching any show, not just these two, um, if you're able to give a um, side character a significant arc like this, then uh, that's all the more impressive. Yeah. I think I agree with you that Willow and Cordelia have the most obvious arcs. Mm-hmm. They, they really do start and end their respective shows very different from one another mm-hmm. or from how they started. Um, like, it, but it, it, Buffy, Buffy and Angel are still have their arc, but they don't, they, and this is not me diminishing their arcs at all, but they have, they have less to travel yeah. to get to the end of their arc. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said, they're the leads. They have to be the heroes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, these supporting characters, they, uh, they're going through a lot. They are. And there's still so much to go through. <laughs> uh, we've still got five collective seasons to get through. We really do. Um, so yeah, we're not done. We're not done. Um, uh, Wes and Gunn are going through the, are going over with the rebels, how they're going to attack, um, the castle... Uh, they find out about the Grusalog, and so they they say like, "Oh, we need to draw him away from the castle. He's going. He's the undefeated champion. Um, we need to keep him out of play." And uh, Gunn points out to Wesley that he's spreading the forces a little too thin. Uh, but you know, Wes says like, "We need these diversions in order to be able to get into the castle." Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about this time that uh, that Angel and Fred show up. Sorry, I'm getting used to like working Fred into the, <laughs> into the rotation of all the characters. Right. Uh, it's weird because it's like you know I've been waiting for Fred to show up. I know, up. and it's I'm exciting. happy. I'm happy she's here, and uh, that's it's when... nice to have another girl in the group. I know, right? <laughs> um, and that's when uh, and you know Wes decides to take advantage of this, and uh, he's like, "Oh, we need you to challenge the Grusalog," and that's when Angel says, "Like I can't." I don't want to turn into that beast. And um, Angel kind of ties it back to the earlier story in the season. He's like, mm-hmm. guys, the reason that I fired you is because I saw a darkness coming on with, like, you know, my vendetta against Wolfram and Hart, and I didn't want you all to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're like, look. And um, that's when Wesley says something pretty awesome. That he undercuts a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but he does say, um, Angel, we know that you're we know that you're a man with a monster inside of you, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that t- ties in with um Angel keep having kept calling himself a beast and uh and Fred saying you're not. And so that actually gives Angel kind of the boost that he needs. Um and so uh Fred says that she'll like go with him because she knows how to light the like all the customs to challenge the grusalog and uh, as he goes away uh gun says oh do you really believe that and wes says like well i need him too yeah so this is kind of like a bit of a bit of a dark turn for wesley and it is a little mild spoilers a little indicative of of that going forward but i think it does seem a tad sudden yeah um, but this is definitely a turning point, and I think if if we're looking for a way to justify it, maybe um, Wes, after being placed in charge of Angel Investigations, you know, he's been looked to as the leader, and um, all of his ideas 
and strategies have just been they they don't work in Pylea. Yeah. Like it, it seems that everything that he's done is kind of like fallen flat on its face. So now he's kind of going going into this I have to do what has to be done. Yeah. And uh when Gun says like, "Oh, if you send these guys as a diversion, they're going to die." And you know, he's speaking from like because Gun when he works with his crew, the number one priority is everybody gets out alive yeah and wes for him he says i've often found that trying to keep everyone alive gets everybody killed yeah which isn't necessarily wrong um i i I think that very much is that watcher training kicking in yeah um i think that up to this point wes has been trying to be maybe not as um not as ardent as gun is about um keeping people alive but he's really trying to make sure that people aren't harmed especially right. those close to him but uh he and he's not really close to these rebels yeah. he is kind of using them but then again he's kind of using angel too yeah and uh to see him like take this approach is uh i mean that it gives this like murkiness to his morality. Yeah. Well, and they're coming at it from different perspectives. Gunn and his crew, their their motivation was survival. You know, they were fighting vampires, but they weren't necessarily trying to bring anything down or destroy all the vampires. You know, survival was the point. Take out as many vamps as you can, but you know, the ultimate goal. Is you to have to survive. walk away. Wesley, you know, he, the, he's looking at this correctly as a war. It is a revolution. It is, you know, their goal is to take down this corrupt uh, government, uh, this corrupt uh, religious oligarchy, essentially. And so, yeah, sacrifices have to be made. Um so it does make sense, um, but but I, yeah, I definitely see. I see. I can absolutely see where both of them are coming from. Yeah. Um, also, I skipped over a little bit, but uh, while, once Angel has reunited with uh, with Gunn and Wesley, Landok does show up. Um, the guard captain had previously told Angel that um, Krevlor and Swath had been decapitated and killed, and uh, and this is a really great moment because Landok is like, oh, Angel. And he's, he does mention that, uh, oh, I won't engage in combat with you uh, because, like, you saved the cow or whatever. And uh, so, you know, the, the the Death Walk clan is still very much about those traditional values. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he does say, like, oh, I'm here on an errand. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, guys, got bad news about the host. It's like... Uh, they they killed him. He's like, yes, I have his head right here. <laughs> he opens it up, and uh, you know, Fred, Gun, Wes, and Angel are looking at it, and they're just like, the host. He was, yeah, he was. And of course, Lauren, Lauren's head's like, that's it. That's all you're gonna say. <laughs> I love this shot of everybody like freaking out except Fred. Like yeah. Fred is just completely motionless. And I love she it. looks curious more than anything else. Yeah. She's like, that's interesting. Like, I, I, do, I do love that about her. And, you know, that's the scientist in her. That's right. Um, that's the so, scientist who's been stranded in this horrible hell for five years. Yeah, and uh, they need to get... Uh, and another reason that they need to get into the castle is because um, they, they realize that uh, Fred has the ability to open the portals, but they need the tomes, like right. the books, to open a portal that they need to get home. Uh, so... Cordy is with the Grusalog, and uh, he's trying to uh, comfort her. And, of course, you know, Silas walks in, and he's like, Oh, good, we're close to mating. Let's Ugh. do it. And uh, she's creep. like, well, what, what about the wedding? He's like, I grow tired of this. And uh, it's like, do it. Basically just telling them to, like, start fucking. And uh, she's like, uh, no. He's like, well, then maybe I will have to encourage it. Gross. Yeah. Uh, but at that moment, they see that uh, the Grusalog has been challenged. 
um, Cordy had previously had a vision that uh, the that the Grusalog is going to be attacked and in, in combat with a spiky green monster, and uh, so she tells the Grusalog, "No, don't go." She can't see who's challenging the Grusalog, mm-hmm. but uh, she's like, "No, don't go out there." Like, uh, and he says, "No, I'm the Grusalog. I have to." And um, yeah, and so. And the and Silas is like, God, I'm so fucking tired of you all. <laughs> he has no chill. <laughs> he doesn't. And you know, Angel's like, Yes, I challenge the Groose Log. Like, come back. Like, come out and fight me, unless you're a spineless coward. And and, and uh, Fred's like, Oh no, you shouldn't have said that. It's <laughs> really gonna piss him off. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so he does. Uh, the Grusalog does show up, and uh, ooh, I mean, I'm making my way through this episode <laughs> summary a lot quicker than I thought. There's not well, this is the thing. I mean, obviously, it's a regularly length episode, but um, like a lot of it is taken up at the end by this battle scene. So yeah, that's, you know, um, and um, I don't want to say not a lot happens, but um, it. The stuff that does happen all moves at a pace, so it's it's pretty easy to get through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, Angel does start fighting the Grusalog, and uh, I mean he he tries to put up a fight, but the Grusalog. I mean, there's a reason that he's he's That's like right. the the undefeated champion, <laughs> and he does like just kind of beat the crap out of Angel, and Angel's you know he's trying to stay human. Uh, but he does eventually turn into the beast and uh, into his like full vampire mode and starts trying to attack the gr- and starts trying to attack the Grusalog. Grusalog's like, oh, I'm probably not gonna make it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and you know, despite the fact that Gun doesn't agree with uh, with Wes's uh, tactics, they do they do go through his plan and uh, and they are able to get into the castle. Um, Silas is almost, uh, Silas is almost, like, uh, attacked by the rebels, and dis- and so now he's like, oh, I'm gonna use this device to, uh, kill all the, kill all the rebels, and, uh, Cordy just has had it with this guy, and cuts his head off. Yeah. Well, he fucking punches her first. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. Not my queen. No, no, no. Yes, queen. but yes, I, when... I and I do love how she she asks like one of those servants like, or she asks one of the rebels like, they they like decapitating kills them right? <laughs> yeah, that's important. You have to make that clarification. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have to ask, but <laughs> I love the gun too. It's just like hell yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're just so used to to decapitation working in our world. <laughs> um, and uh, you know. Angel is about to like, you know, beat the Grusalog, but then he, uh, but then he turns back into a human. He's like, "Hey, we're not gonna do this. We're gonna find another way to do this." Grusalog sucker punches him. He's like, "Hey, <laughs> come on, man! I'm trying to work with you here." I and, love Patty Angel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's when everybody shows up, and uh, Cordy's like, "No, stop the fight! I love him." And he's like, "You love me? Like, not you, dumbass." <laughs> Pull the red foreman on him. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. And uh, that's when she does say, like, I really do love the Grusalog. And um, and Angel's like, I mean, you know, you still love me though, right? I mean, you know, as a co-worker. As <laughs> a friend. friend and... uh, he's like, maybe love's not, maybe love's too strong a word. But like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, 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 there's something that's just delightful about Angel trying to deal with his random feelings, but, you know, it just ends up him muttering to himself. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so Lorne has had his head reattached, says goodbye to his family, and is like, yeah, see you in a couple, in a couple millennia, and that's when uh, Angel says, like, no, you know what, like, isn't there something you want to say uh, to to your mom and he says yeah thanks mom for putting me on the lice pile and not the maggot pile <laughs> and uh at first it looks like um 
it, it, it first it looks like that uh, his mother is going to uh, say something nice. It's like, oh, you came back to us and brought more shame. The runs of my loins. And that's when, yeah, that's when they're like, you know what? Let's get out of here. <laughs> and as they leave, uh, Lauren's mother does shout for Numfar to do the dance of shame, which we do, unfortunately don't get to see. But you can hear yep. going in the like house. The shuffling. Yeah, and uh, and Angel's like, you know, everybody has everybody's families have has their problems. Yours more than some. Uh, but pretty rich of Angel to say, considering what he did to his family. Yeah. <laughs> he took care of the problem. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, um, and Lauren does say that he belongs in L.A. because nobody belongs there. Mm-hmm. It's a place where you know. You are constantly looking for uh, for your own way. Yeah. And that's why it's a perfect place for him and Angel. Yeah. I loved how he ta- he talks about uh, his psychic friend, whose name I can't remember, but I remember loving her, um, saying, you know, he had to come back. And he's like, she was right. I did have to come back to learn that I don't ever have to come back here. And like that... He gave um, him a little sense of closure. Exactly. He got that closure, and now he can say, fuck this place. I hate this place. I don't need to feel... I, I don't need to feel guilt or nostalgia or anything about it. Uh, and I love that for Lauren. He was like, this to- this shit's toxic, and I want yeah, no part of it. It's... It's a... Um, it's a... Uh, it's usually, like, you know, the one of two ways that a, that a coming out... Uh, story can kind of resolve itself. It's like you come out to your family and they either, uh, you know, well, I guess maybe there's more than two ways, but like the two big ways are... They accept uh, you or they yeah, don't. Yeah, they accept you or they don't. And you're like, oh, they accept me. Uh, it's nice. We're going to get along with this. Um, and if they don't, you just be like, you know what? Screw it. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's great. And... Uh, Lauren does feel song coming on, and you know we've we've been referencing Wizard of Oz, and <laughs> and so we get another uh, we get a rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which sounds great. It sounds great, but again, the Pileans <laughs> are not fans of singing, and they're like, oh no, what sad sad lives. Um, there's like one priest left, and uh, or as far as we know. Um, there might be more, but... There's uh, probably more yeah, left, but there's yeah. Silent, one important one yeah. left. And uh, Cordelia is saying that slavery's done, all citizens are equal, there's no more religious persecution. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Right. Um, and uh, the Grusalog is in charge. And... Uh, I don't know about his qualifications, but okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> but It seems like his heart will be in the right place. Yeah. And, uh, and so she says to the, gr- she says to the Grusalog, like, oh, good luck, um, like, good luck with this. I mean, slavery's over now, you gotta deal with Reconstruction. It's like, what's Reconstruction? And then we get, uh, and then Cordelia says, Gun, do you want to explain it? So, I like and hate this. Yeah. Like, on one hand, obviously, Reconstruction is the period after the Civil War when slavery was ended, um. Fun fact, uh, the there was not enough done during the Reconstruction, and we are still, I say we, uh, I mean black Americans, are still suffering from what wasn't done at that time. So on one hand, like, it is historically appropriate that it's Gunn who talks about this, but on the other hand, I'm just like... It's it's just it another, seems a little heavy handed. It's heavy handed. It feels like oh, we're asking Gunn to do the emotional labor of like talking about this. And it but just, at the same time, like, would it make sense for one of the white characters to exactly, talk about this? Exactly. And I think, well, right there, right there. It's like there's no good way of going about this here when you specifically call out Reconstruction. You could just say. Yeah, if, if, if they not even be... said the line, then um, Cordelia could have said something like, uh, "Oh, like slavery may be done, but you uh, got but a lot of work need... to do." Yeah, like... yeah, you, you, there's stuff to do afterwards, and he's like, "Oh, what?" And that's when Gunn can like chime in and say, "Like, oh, there's gonna be a lot of stuff to do," and he could like make reference to riots and stuff like that. 
Like, that would feel a little more natural than just being like, oh, hey, we're talking about reconstruction. Right. Oh, hey, my one black friend, please come talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a one of those situations where as much as I love Gunn as a character and as much as I love J. August Richards' performance, you know, the entirely white writer's room. Yeah. I, I said writer's room at first. Um, Not wrong. Are great. <laughs> They are not always equipped to handle these topics in a sensitive or responsible way. I don't think this is egregiously bad. Like, it, 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 but, but it is enough to be like, raise your eyebrow at the yeah, very least. Yeah. Um, it, it does not have the, uh, the, eff- the intended effect that the writers had. I agree. Um, but, uh, and this is when the Grease Log asks her to stay, and she says, like, oh, it was really fun being your princess. Aww. And, uh, yeah, she has a pretty good kiss there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they take the books, and, uh, the priests are like, oh, that's sacred tomes, which you can have <laughs> as a memento. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then the gang returns to... Uh, to LA through a portal in uh, Caritas and but first as they're leaving everyone is bowing to Cordy to which Wes is like should they be doing that and Cordy's just like well you know these things take time yeah. oh no uh, she's she's growing she's but she, you know she's not gonna she's not that's... gonna turn down a nice bow to her and you know that's the great thing about Cordelia's story she never um a lot of her growth doesn't seem like to be a quick like turnaround mm-hmm. the way that Wes kind of the way that Wes's story kind of felt in this episode. Um, she's always Cordelia. Yes. Uh, no matter what stuff she has to go through. Yeah. She's she is always fundamentally herself. She always is a little vain. She's always uh, got some bite. Um but that doesn't negate the fact that she has grown more empathetic, um, more selfless. Um, and that's what I love about the, her character is it's like, she never... Uh, I, I wouldn't call her, like, a high school mean girl anymore. But she never loses that kind of high school mean girl sort yeah. of sort of attitude. Yeah. Um, She's still spunky. Yeah. Um, oh, I love her so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. The car goes like right into Caritas and <laughs> poor, like poor just, Caritas. Yeah. Uh, but Lawrence is like, you know, I was thinking about doing a remodel anyway. <laughs> Who wants a drink? Um, the uh, gang is heading back to the Hyperion, uh, and Cordelia is constantly reassuring Fred that yes, tacos do still exist and they're everywhere, which is correct because you know. There's a fairly large amount of uh, of um, let, Latino and Latina uh, populations in uh, Mex- in Mexico. Yes, uh, yes, <laughs> in in, uh, in especially in the LA area and around that area, and you know in California in general. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I, did I tell you that uh, that was actually something that I kind of noticed when uh, I went to Disney World or excuse me Disneyland. Uh, which is in uh, Anaheim, which isn't too far away from mm-hmm. from uh, LA, just like maybe a little bit of a train ride. But uh, it is one like a there's a lot of um, in like that part of California. There was a lot more like things that were catered towards uh, Latinx community, mm-hmm. and uh, the there was an entire section of Disneyland dedicated to um the princess elena okay um which is like a i'm not too familiar with it it's um it it is like a something that's like on the it's a children's like part of disney and um it is like a a latina princess and uh, that was a big thing and um and also like there are a lot of like more food places and uh i don't know like if this helps my point or not, but um, <laughs> Disneyland is apparently known for like its churros. 
Mm. Um, and there are a lot more of those in Disneyland than in Disney World. Interesting. So I think like a lot more of the cuisine in uh, in especially this you know big park is right. geared towards the Latinx community, which is very large in that. So mm. it makes sense that like in Los Angeles. There's a lot of tacos. There's a lot of tacos. Yeah, and like, you know, real authentic tacos. Mm-hmm. Probably like, you know, you got your Taco Bell. I'll say, and stuff. they've definitely got Taco Bell you in got LA. Your, you but... got your Taco Bell, you got your Del Taco. Um, by the way, Del Taco is really good. Okay. Ah, um, oh, no, I got an ad on my... <laughs> well, I was going through the Buffy Wiki. Um, but yeah, and, uh, and they're like, oh, you know, we should like try to have that... We should try to patent that uh, that portal as like a amusement park ride or something. And uh, they get to the door and Angel's like, no, no, I want to say it. Nerd. Opens the door <laughs> and says like, there's no place like. And then we see the reason why we couldn't do this episode before the gift. Yeah. Um, he sees Willow there. And uh, I love this because Willow doesn't have any lines. Yeah. She just has this, Allison Hannigan just has this absolutely perfect expression on her face. And uh, Cordelia's like, what's wrong? And Angel's just like, it's Buffy. And that's <coughs> it. So, Sorry. for those of you who were looking for a respite from the events of the gift, you got about 40 minutes of it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's really, it's a really strong way to end the season. And it like, it also makes you wonder, like, how long after the gift is is this set? Is this happening? You I, know they've been in Pylea for about uh, a couple days. A couple days. Cordy specifically says two and a half when she's talking about one of the servants, how long she's been serving her. But she was there for like a little while before becoming the princess. So we'll say I'm gonna say four days. Is how long this yeah. arc and then again taken. we don't, and then again we also don't know how many days they were there after Silas was killed. True, that's a good um, point. But it, it doesn't seem like they would spend too much time there. They would just need like to find the tomes right. to get them home. And uh, Fred got to clean up a little bit, yeah. so that was nice. She didn't have to wear the potato sack anymore. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, I can't imagine this. I I don't feel like um, this is a. Uh, I don't feel like this is too long after yeah. that. I think, um, and I do like that it's Willow. Yeah. Um, I think Willow would probably have the most frame of, like, the most, like, dedicated frame of mind to uh, let Angel know this. Yeah. Well, Willow always had, after Buffy... Like the the friendliest relationship with yeah. Angel. Xander, Xander, was, Xander no. wasn't going to do this. Giles uh, was still, you know, Giles and Angel could get along, but they still. Yeah, they, I, still I, I wouldn't even say that they get along. I'd say that they like they could work together. Yes, yeah, they tolerate. Uh, Giles tolerates Angel. Yeah, and Angel feels real shitty about a certain thing he did to to a certain girlfriend of Giles. Yeah, um, and. Spike's not gonna do it. Spike's not gonna do it. <laughs> and uh, Tara and Anya don't know him, so yeah. yeah, Willow makes the most sense. And it's interesting that she, um, it, it's interesting, and it makes sense that she chose to drive up there to give him this news in person rather than make a phone call. Although it's entirely possible she called and no one was fucking answering. <laughs> they were all in a different dimension. No, no, I definitely think that this is something that she would have to tell him in person. Yeah. Um. And I think, and I think Willow, more than anybody, understood how like Buffy and Angel's relationship, yeah, even post season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, Willow's like talked with Cordelia. I mean, I think she's the one who's been keeping in contact with oh, Cordelia yeah. the most. Um, Ironic. Did, <laughs> yeah. Did did. Did Willow or um, Angel mention that like they got a hold of Giles one time this season? Maybe. Um, I remember. Or am I just like imagining that? Well, I remember very specifically, but I think it was last season. Yeah, it was definitely last season because it was in. Um, 
towards the end of the season, they were trying to hack into something and Cordelia called Willow to help her do it. And it's at the same time that they're hacking into the initiative stuff. And Cordy right. has that line where she's like, guess what they're doing too? Like, <laughs> um, and then obviously Cordy talked to Willow on the phone about, about Harmony. Harmony. I'm tr- I don't remember. I, I don't know why, but I feel like Giles was like brought up at, for some reason. I don't I mean, entirely it. possible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate, I also very much appreciate this because there hasn't been too much crossover in this season, in yeah. these in these respective seasons. Um, but the crossovers that we do get are short but impactful. I agree because you have Angel going to Buffy when right after her mom dies, mm-hmm. and Willow coming to Angel after Buffy dies. Yeah, and those they work. And it just would have been really weird. Obviously, tonally, this is kind of jarring from what. Um, from yeah, what came it, before, it, but yeah, it, if you're one of those people who's just watching Angel, yeah, but it would be so strange to not address it here if we just ended on them like, oh, we're back at the hotel. Especially after if you were watching this as it aired back to back, you would have been like, so did no one tell Angel? And then and then that's emotional labor you have to do at the beginning of the next season of him learning. Um, whereas now we can just start there yep. at the beginning of season three. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but that is that is our wrap on uh, Angel season two. Yeah. With uh, there's no gotta say it one more time. There's no place <laughs> like Flirtsglerb. Flirtsglerb. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. It is. Um, I have to say, I think. Uh, I, I think maybe I had this uh story I had this like three episode arc a little more like I thought it was a little better in my mind than it actually mm-hmm. was I think I conflated it a little bit it's still good but I'd say it's more like uh I'd say it's more four stars out of five I feel yeah. like there are a few things that are rushed I think there are a couple of missteps and um and yeah I mean, they only have one episode to wrap up a lot of stuff and uh, they do it. And it overall works out. Yeah. Um, and I like that, uh, you know, now we have Fred in the mix. Uh, I like where this is going forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'll give it four out of five um, dances of shame. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think I think this episode of this, like, trilogy, we'll call it, um, is... I think it's the weakest of the three. Um, and yeah, I think part of it is that some of it's rest, especially just like the stuff with the rebels. It's all very, very fast. Yeah. Um, but like Cordelia's arc in this and Angel's arc in this, both of them really work for me. And I think yeah. that's where the episode is as its strongest. Um, so yeah, it's a four out of five for me as well. Um, and uh, maybe it could have used one more episode to breathe. Um, and maybe give the rebels a little more focus. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm also just like, eh. yeah, also doesn't really need it. Yeah, it, it, it does kind of feel like, um, the rebels kind of feel like, uh, just a, you know, in Star Trek when they go to like, oh, this random planet. Yeah. And, uh, you may not remember like all the things like the specifics of what happened on the planet aren't the aren't the main focus. It's more like how are the crew affected by their interactions on the planet. Right. So they're, it's I don't want to say window dressing, but I can't think of a yeah. better phrase. It also feels a little bit like like the scope of it feels a little smaller than it they were going for. Mm-hmm. Like you know, a lot of the stuff happens off screen. Um, uh, you know, we're. Um, that's budget issue almost yeah. certainly, but I do like the, it's still I, fun. I do like the fight that the Grusalog has with Angel. I yeah. like how the Grusalog does kind of. Sh- we get to see like his actual combat prowess. It's pretty yeah. cool. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, so obviously we were gonna do like our wrap up of yeah. season two, but uh, yeah, we're, we've we've reached the end of uh, what I'd say is probably your favorite part of. Mm-hmm. Of Buffy and Angel. Yeah, all downhill uh, well from here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's still a lot of great stuff. Man. There is. And um, let's see. I guess in the... Uh, I guess I would have to say this is probably like the strongest point of the Buffyverse when both shows are going. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's like 
the end of season seven of Buffy and the end of season four of Angel, it's it has an epic scale, but it's not the greatest story, as yeah. we will get to eventually. <laughs> and uh, but it is kind of cool how they still tie the two shows together. Yeah. In that point, but I think this is like. Obviously, you have just a fantastic overall storyline in season five, and um, you have a uh, really great storyline in season two of Angel for the first half of this series. Yeah. Um, the season. And uh, and then, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, picking up the pieces for that, and then Pylea. Right. So, um, yeah, when, it, when, it, when both, sh- both shows are, like operating at a high level at multiple points throughout the course of this season yeah. the shared season yeah absolutely um so we'll be back yeah uh, like jason said we've got our re- overview um and then we'll be in season uh six slash three um so i'm looking forward to that yeah all right let's get out of here uh thank you for joining us on booze and buffy we will be back next week with the aforementioned season overview i'm jason you can find me on twitter at yamij357 and i'm harrison you can find me on instagram at harrison alexander kaufman and on twitter at harrison kaufman that's c-o-f-f-m-a-n and you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at booze and buffy or you can email us at booze and buffy at gmail.com the and is spelled out in all those instances and don't forget to rate and review us and subscribe to us on your podcast listening device of choice um yeah <laughs> and uh, every week we'd like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Uh, this week we are uh focusing on just providing some info for different charities that help the people of pakistan and the people of Puerto Rico, um, mm-hmm. who are suffering from effects of uh, like uh, very bad, um, yeah. very bad like storms. Uh, I believe it is Puerto Rico dealing with um, a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Pakistan had like a just really bad, bad flooding, bad flooding, um, and a lot of this is because of global warming. Yes, <sighs> so Puerto Rico in particular is um, at the moment. Um, 100% without power. Yeah. The entire country. Um, uh, so that's pretty, um, uh, very devastating for those people. And, um, so yeah, whatever we can do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye.